Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to Out of Oz, a Building 28 church podcast where we confront the fantasies and fallacies of modern day Christian culture. My name's Peter Tragos. I'm back hosting at least for today. And with me as always is Aaron Curran. And we will confront them with compassion and conviction. Oh, did and I miss courage. that part? Hey, you know? just one time. That's what I'm saying. That's all it takes. It doesn't take much to slip. You know, just a little slip, get washed. And we've been we've been spacing these out. Like these uh, uh we last recorded like five weeks ago, but season three is now underway. Yeah. The rust is and uh, yeah, the rust building. is shining through. Uh here's the deal. For many Christians, uh particularly in certain parts of the United States, I would say, uh, the death penalty for certain truly heinous criminal acts is a no-brainer. Like, so you talk to certain Christians, it's just like, of course you believe that. Yep. It's, it's, we believe in the sufficiency of Scripture and the salvation of Christ and the death penalty. Um, the thought being, I'm saying some Christians would say that, the thought being, <laughs> oh, what reasonable person wouldn't support the sanction of erasing murderers, rapists, child molesters, etc.? But... Against this position, there is a torrent of objections declaring that true Christians um, love forgiveness and seek to restore. So while the tumult rages on, the question remains, should Christians support or oppose capital punishments? And help us answer that question today. We have a couple of my brothers here. We have Deshaun Boogie Cousins in the house. Back over in the guest Um, seat. You've seen him, you know. He wears um, many ho- hats. Hosting a couple of times on this. Sorry, um, when Pete. Pete's not available to us, he's in high demand, Pete. He Trigos, wears but, many hats. <laughs> uh, and uh, and also back um, by popular demand, mm. very frequently. Ah, maybe, maybe not. It's, uh, <laughs> Adam Superpowers, pastor at Sunrise Community Church. Hey, that's a nice shirt you got on there. Uh, dude, it is. It is. This is uh, We rep Sunrise. There you go. You guys, you guys went all out. You got the printing on the back, too. That's a lot more money. Um, yeah, if you guys live up. Gospel's paying off for you. (laughs) You guys live up in Pasco County or, you know, Orlando. Drive over to to Adam's church. Orlando. (laughs) All right. So let's talk death penalty. Okay. And before the show started, Adam said something about he doesn't believe in it individually and trying to confuse the audience. We're just going to bypass that with we are talking about. Thank you governmental state or federal capital punishment okay by the state by the Mm -hmm. state actors that's the capital punishment we're talking about today there's going to be a lot of nuance to it we can talk about whether it's certain crimes whether it's just across the board right or wrong um but i think before we kind of dig into some of the nuance let's get some overarching thoughts about where you stand starting with powers on the death penalty, just kind of philosophically and spiritually speaking? Well, goodness gracious. I mean, right away, you're confronted with the ending of a life, which if that doesn't just off the bat from the get-go, from square one, grieve you to some extent, I don't think you have much compassion at all because life life was not meant to be like this in, in the beginning. We were made to live forever. And now that not only we naturally expire at certain times whenever God so has ordained, but that 
God has given the state and the government the power of the sword and ending a life as they see fit, which we need to talk about what that means, ought to grieve us. And after grieving us, because it's such a weighty issue, because it is actually the ending of a life of an image bearer, sorry, this, this might be another episode, but not, not just an animal, not a dog, not a cute little kitten, things sure. like this, but a life of a male or female image bearer of God. It needs weightiness, it needs nuance, it needs care, needs precision and caution in defining exactly what we're talking about. And so that we're on the same page about these things, and especially in light of how we interact as individual Christians with the state that God has ordained to be, which might bring up how is the state to function? What did God ordain it to be? All, all, all the above and all the objections that come with it from just the common world. Um, you Christians are all pro-life, aren't you? Well, why are you all pro-death penalty? It seems like an apparent contradiction. So there's so much that's involved in this conversation. And I'm sure we're adequately going to deal with it here. So no one will have any more questions <laughs> whatsoever about any of these issues. I, I think we all can agree it's heavy, which is kind of where you started. And I think we all agree in the sanctity of life and the fact that humans are image bearers and different than other animals. So that's kind of the starting point. Yeah. But when you look at something like the death penalty in that it ends life, right? That is the purpose of it. It is punishment for something and it gives that person no chance of redemption once it's done. Right. So when you start there, kind of Deshaun, where, where do you start in breaking down how you feel about this right or wrong biblically? So that's actually a good point that you bring up of what does the Bible say about this? And I agree with a lot of what Adam was saying. And to add into that, where I think wherever we land upon this, we have to recognize that the Bible does speak to specifically in the Old Testament law of a lot of different reasons why people would be put to death. And so essentially saying, all right, God has ordained, at least in that time, the way that's set up, um, that these are particular issues that people were put to death for. And so whether we agree with it and how it's formally done now, we have to still acknowledge that it is a concept that's not just completely foreign to the Christian mind. And so with that, um, where I personally stand, I think principally, I think the death penalty is something that should be how it's actually worked out and pertaining to each government and things like that. That's where I think a lot of the conversation gets into because kind of what Aaron was bringing up in the beginning, where the issue with people is not just the concept of the death penalty, but particularly the way that it's enforced in the United States in particular. So, but you do think that biblically there is support for a death penalty? I, I do. Okay. I do. Aaron? Yeah. So I think, I think Powers brought something very interesting because so many today, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lump everybody, whether you're pro-death penalty or anti-death penalty, into the same categories, but there are so many today that are fighting this from really political affiliation, and there are many that I've encountered, um, and I'm not like far right on this subject at all by any stretch, but there are a lot that I've encountered who are against the death penalty outside the church don't have, I don't believe, a, a substantive reason to be against the death penalty, meaning that if we are just animals— if we are, I mean, unless unless it's an, uh, an animal cruelty thing where we say mm -hmm. um, it's an act of cruelty and we wouldn't want that for an animal either. But if we're just animals, if we're just balls of matter, like just a conglomeration of cells, then there's not really a whole lot of, of substantive philosophical defense for why we would be against the death penalty because it's just the eradication of something that uh, doesn't of, matter. Of matter, of matter. Like yeah. it, that's what it is, kind of like the 
the unborn fetus. Like, and so that's one thing I think that we have to approach this with the mindset, especially as believers, but even when talking with unbelievers of, we have to approach with the Imago Dei in mind that the reason this is a heavy issue is only because we're image bearers of God. Mm-hmm. And now all of the argumentation comes in and factors in. So I think I would agree with Deshaun. I think that there's biblical precedents for it. I think that in a righteous judicial system, it works. Yeah. It works. But I can sympathize with the arguments against it in our day because of the volume of supposed criminals who have mm-hmm. been, who have experienced capital punishment and then been exonerated post death or um, because of the idea of, hey, for humanly speaking, this eradicates any opportunity for them to repent and believe the gospel down the line. And so anyway, I, in theory, I think it's good. I think it's biblical. I think it works. The problem is, is with corrupt leaders across any context that begins to, you know, tamper with the veracity of it. Okay. So seems like you all agree that there is room for a death penalty, mm-hmm. biblically speaking. So before we get to the nuance, a couple questions. Do you think for the Christians out there, because we all don't believe exactly the same things, a lot of us sitting at the table have similar beliefs on on what I'm going to ask about, but do you think that your belief or stance on God's sovereignty in salvation, Arminian versus Calvinist, okay, buzzwords that a lot of people don't like, but I like them. Do you think that should affect your view on the death penalty? For example, and let me give you why I'm asking the question. If God is in control, that gives you at least some comfort when we are as a society trying to do our best. And again, we can talk about, you know, we can talk about whatever you want and how the three of you would fix society and fix the death penalty. Um, <laughs> but, but we're doing the best we can. And people think about this and try to do, try to do it the right way. We don't always, but we try to do it the right way. Okay. So you all agree there's a room for a death penalty. So when we believe in God's sovereignty and salvation, he can save them in prison before the death penalty, however he wants to save them, he can save them. And if there's part of the elect, they're going to go to heaven and they're going to be part of the elect, whether they're killed innocent and and unjustly killed um, via the death penalty or whether they're in jail for life. Okay. So that's what the four of us believe sitting here. But if you're Arminian, you believe that it's somebody's choice and they may need to learn and see and be talked to more. Should that affect their decision and their thought process on the death penalty? Shouldn't we give everybody as much time possible to make that decision to be saved if that's kind of where your belief lies? So all Christians even, should they feel the same on this? Or how do you look at something like that where more time may equal a salvation? Because even John Piper, yeah. the the one of the greatest Calvinists, when we talked about the self-defense or having a gun in your house or whatever, that's kind of his argument as to why he wouldn't shoot somebody breaking into mm-hmm. his house because they may become a Christian. So in fairness, and I know that you would agree with this, Pete, but in fairness to the Arminian, they do believe that God's in control. Mm-hmm. Right. And in fairness to the Calvinist, we do believe that mankind does have choice and volition. Right. Um, we just, uh, it's a matter of which is stronger, the, the controlling forces of the sovereignty of God or the controlling forces of the will of man. And as biblicists, we believe the the sovereignty of God. Well, I think the bigger thing is Calvinists believe if God says you're going to be saved, you're going to be saved. Arminians yes. don't necessarily believe that. Yeah, but at the same time, Calvinists believe in full culpability. And that's why Piper can come down, and I agree with him, so dogmatically on 
that humanly speaking, when you shoot an intruder coming into your home or you execute someone on death row, you are taking away, humanly speaking, while still submitting ourselves to the sovereignty of God and predestination and regeneration and all the glories of salvation, you're taking away the capacity for that person to turn to Christ. And so I, I personally believe it's a fatalistic argument to, to say— um, well, we're just going to trust God because you can apply that to anything. Then I'm not going to wear my seatbelt in yeah, the car because if God wants my children to be saved, I'm not going to buckle them in because if he wants them to be saved before they die. Like you could, you, I'm just saying you could apply it to but anything. But it's totally different because there are a million logical decisions that go into you're asking for it there versus you all have said there's biblical backing for a death penalty. Yeah. So as sure. a Calvinist, I think there's some comfort in that because if I wasn't, I would be totally against it. So for me, yes and amen, there's a ton of comfort in the sovereignty of God in this issue, especially not only in matters of salvation, damnation, but just in the matters of like the minutia of everything that happens in life, this was always how this individual was to die. There's no surprises here. There's no oops. Correct. There's no coincidence. This was how this was supposed to happen. And we see that in the Old Testament because we get to see God working, which we, do. we don't necessarily here, we don't know for a fact yeah. like we know for a fact when we read in the Old Testament. Yeah. And so the sovereignty of God does affect this issue. I mean, all theology affects every other theology in the pond. You throw a rock somewhere, the ripples go everywhere. Yep. And so the sovereignty of God is in all of life for the Christian, uh, a very soft pillow, whether life is easy or hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with Adam. Where my understanding of the sovereignty of God does affect the way that I view this, not to become, like you said, fatalistic, where it's like, well, it doesn't matter. Even some people use the argumentation of, well, it doesn't matter if we abort because, well, they'll just go kind of mindset and using that is wrong, but it doesn't mean that the sovereignty of God doesn't affect this issue. And so I do believe that as I look at this situation, as you put, that God is in control. He set the bounds in the times that we are to end, how long we're supposed to be here. And so in that Though I get the argument that, yes, the person has more time to be around, to hear the gospel and things along that nature, but I also believe at the same exact time that if that is the Lord's will to save them, he could save them in that final moment before they're put to death in the, which we'll get into a little bit later, um, the amount of years that a lot of people spend on death row where you have to right. contemplate your death and even how mm -hmm. the origins of that was actually, um, which we'll get into even more later, but too, but there, a lot of that is for that purpose of repentance where you had time to really yep. meditate and think upon. One other thing I want to say is like, even for the arm, because I do, I know we have like Armenian viewers and listeners so, who like would lean more heavily on the side. And I'm not saying they're stupid. I'm no, saying no, no, if no. I was that, I would be against <laughs> the death penalty. But, but I'm saying, I'm but saying. I'm saying, I, th I think even if you're like more in that camp of of the the strength of human will, that still the the uh, thinking Armenian could make a case that they could be for the death penalty. In that that person, Romans one, has had ample time to hear the gospel, to at least understand there is a God, they need to scope out and find out who, what the gospel is, to repent, Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, whoever you want to throw in there, that ample time, on, even on death row, but leading up to death row. And so even for like somebody who's going to say, I believe in full culpability, I believe in the free will of man, I think, I think some people can get behind that, some of those thinkers can get behind the death penalty still and say they've had plenty of time, humanly speaking, to repent and believe the yeah, gospel. True. So I think either true. side. There, What's we, the most important thing? Is for people to go to heaven, right? I mean, so why? Why? Well, the glory of God. Right. Well, I'm just saying, like, for <laughs> us to witness, <laughs> for us, us to witness and to add to the <laughs> kingdom. So if, yeah, if anything yeah. that we can do or vote or whatever yeah. would give them more time for that, 
forget everything else. Forget enough time. I'm not going to say what's enough time for somebody. Like to me, I, that's where you, that's to me where you have to make a decision on this is based on that theology. Like to me, that's what I, that's, that's how I see it. So the sovereignty of God also could come in here and give huge comfort to the, to the Christian, even when the government is unjustly carrying out these things because we know there's a king who is ever just and who reigns in his government of his peace and government, there shall be no end. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, honestly, there will never be a government in this world that does anything perfectly. And so the sovereignty of God should remind us that there is a government that does. Does barbarism matter at all to the Christian? That it's barbaric to kill somebody in an electric chair, shoot them up with deadly poison? Like, how, how should we feel about that as Christians? If we're talking about a death penalty being okay, we've got to talk about the fact that we actually do put somebody in a chair and kill them in front of other people. Like, that's the way we that it's set up now. And if not, I mean, what does a less barbaric version of the death penalty look like? Because we don't want to be seen as barbaric, right? Christians are supposed to be people of grace and peace. And, and I understand in, of conviction, people of conviction and strength, but not, not necessarily murderers. You know, and I know it's not murder because it's justified killing, but how should that affect how we look at this? You know, how barbaric this is. I was looking up this passage because as you were saying, it reminded me of this. So as we get to see back in the Old Testament law, Deuteronomy in particular, <clears throat> Deuteronomy 25.3 says this. It says, speaking of giving punishment for somebody's actions, it says, 40 stripes you may, may be given him, but no more, lest if one of you should go on to beat him with more stripes than these, your brother be degraded in your sight. And so there is this where, even though it is death in that way, but I think we should be mindful not to, whether it be lynching or as you said, shooting somebody up to where there is a punishment, but it should not go so far, if that makes sense. I know it's weird to say that when it's speaking of death, but we shouldn't degrade somebody and put them on a cross or things along that line. So I think there is room for punishment without it being degrading. And we as a society have obviously thought about that as we've tried to figure out the least barbaric way to kill someone, um, which you can look through history of the different ways, mm. but. There's some excessive yeah. amounts of this that goes far beyond the bounds of compassion. But in those instances, I don't think compassion was ever in view. It was all just giving the person their what for and justice deserving, right? So. And I don't know how much less barbaric like solitary confinement or life in prison is, but when we talk about the pro-life stance, right? I think that's a big thing for a lot of Christians is is it seems paradoxical to be pro-life and pro-death penalty. But the way I think about it, and let me know and, and pick it apart, is being pro-death penalty is in lockstep with being pro-life because in both instances, we are celebrating and protecting the sanctity of life because for the most part, death penalty cases involve the taking of a life. So in protecting against the taking of a life, we have the most barbaric and harshest penalty, which would be then taking your life and also get in for it to an eye for an eye and turn the other cheek and whatever. It's been mentioned, but Genesis 9, 6 is kind of that, that famous Old Testament passage that believers go to that whoever sheds man's blood by man shall their blood be shed. And then you come to Romans 13 and, it, you know, like the, the, the governmental 
powers that be that wield the sword so they execute justice and as a part of that capital punishment perhaps uh, those are kind of the passages that are used here and and it's clear from like scripture from Genesis 9 from Romans 13 that it's far far different if we're just thinking biblically and logically to murder a child in the womb if we're taught legally innocent life I, I get the concept of original sin, obviously, but legally speaking, innocent and, and defending ourselves. So like, I have heard that from some of my left-leaning Christian friends that, that so many Christians they know, especially in the South are pro-life when it comes to abortion. Um, but, but pro-gun, pro-war, <laughs> pro-death penalty. And in each of those, I think the argument is, is that you're looking to preserve the Imago Day. Like, so if you're pro gun, you're not pro like going out mass shooting, you're pro protecting your family. And if you're pro war, you're hopefully pro just war, which has a whole different podcast, but you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're pro eradicating evil in the world. Think World War II, like a, a, a evil that is tyrannical and is killing millions of people. And so you, what you're doing is you're attempting to while, it's, while, while the way that we go about it might be flawed, but what you're attempting uh, in theory to do is to preserve the sanctity of life through the eradication of someone. So typically, most people would say that the death penalty would only apply, or a lot of Christians at least would say the death penalty only applies for like um, premeditated murder. And so someone who has, in a premeditated way, um, trampled on the sanctity of life and shown that they don't have a regard for human life. I just think I find it interesting, like when when even people who are against it, when when something barbaric happens, a school shooting, um, Sandy Hook, this happened with the synagogue shooting. Where, where was that in, in Pittsburgh or, or wherever, wherever that was? It also happened with the Boston massacre where so many who are anti-death penalty all of a sudden rose up and said, the only thing that would be suitable for this individual is the death penalty now. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what right. they're saying is whether they realize it or not, they're saying, that, that this person had no concern for the sanctity of human life. They just blew themselves up or went into a school and shot up the school. And, and because of that, we need to protect the sanctity of human life, those who are still here, by dispelling of this person. I mean, that's just kind of a raw way of putting it, but that is the, the mindset that exists. And so I think if we can have like, like logical conversations here, there's, it's just not the same at all to say that we are pro- the birth of a child who legally deserves to live and is an image bearer of God, but at the same time, maybe pro the um, the death penalty or capital punishment that would suppress someone who has had no regard for the sanctity of human life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's well said. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones agrees with you. Of course he does, man. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. <laughs> so in his sermons, Right here on uh, on Romans, especially chapter 13, this is what he says. The purpose of capital punishment is to vindicate God's lordship over life and to tell man that if he passes beyond that border, he must forfeit his own life. There is nothing that should so teach us the sacredness and sanctity of life as the carrying out of capital punishment. And so th- this is in chapter 13 of Romans specifically, I think, because that's where we get not, not only Genesis 9, not only all the laws of the Old Testament there from Exodus to Deuteronomy, but Romans 13, uh, specifically verse 4, the governing authorities are from God, the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. And so... If we do good, we have no reason to fear, right? We'll be praised in a sense by our governing authorities. But if we do wrong, we have every reason to fear uh, because God is the one who's instituted these authorities 
And because God is the sole author of life, he has given this institution the only right to end life. And so, yeah, I mean, it should be a big warning. It's so interesting that Paul writes that. In his context. Yeah. yeah, let's talk about that. Because that was we, capital punishment yeah. against those who were doing right, Christians, was going on yeah. in Paul's day. And so that's why I think, you know, a prudent look at Romans 13 is important. I agree completely with Martin Lloyd-Jones. But like, if a government is executing clearly in contradiction, not just to what you think is right, but clearly in contradiction to Scripture, then clearly we stand against capital punishment. Like, so if they're saying, um, hey, after, not that this is happening here, but after two children, you have to abort every child that comes in, into right. play. That and that, that's, that's capital punishment in a yeah. sense of the government's edicting that, hey, we're going to eradicate, then you stand against that. So what we're talking, that's why I start, kind of started the podcast by saying, we're talking about as much as we can understand it in consistency with scripture and what scripture say is justified yeah. taking of life. Mm. Um, through whether it's war, self-defense, you know, the, the capital punishment. So, And I think that's what we're, where we're kind of going towards is, biblically speaking, you would only think that Christians could, should or could support a death penalty in response to the taking of a life. And not necessarily all taking I a life. I think it could be more. I think it could be more. What do you mean more? Sure. More than just taking life. Yeah, I mean, for the worst of grievances, for the worst of crimes— this should be reserved for that. So more than just the taking of a life. Yeah. Okay. What would be some other like examples? Some that I've heard, I'm not yeah. saying I'm there, but like repeated sexual right. violence where it's not just a one-time thing. Serial rapists. Like, ser serial rapists of yeah. children, things like that, where you're just, you're looking at this going like there's, there's no, there's no coming back from that. And if we, if this person escapes from prison or serves their sentence and gets out of prison or whatever it might be the likelihood of them repeating this, then once again, what you're doing is you're protecting the sanctity of life in that. Um, because the, it has been so abused, this yes. person then must... I'm not saying I'm there necessarily, okay, but I can out. see the arguments behind okay, that you. as well. Um, things of that nature. You know, and Basically, I mean, that feels like they're ruining lots of lives. Uh, lots they're not of, taking lots, them. Right. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about the sanctity of life and, and why I think it's different than like, I'm going to decide not to put on my seatbelt and resting in the sovereignty of God is, which I think is something that Christians should still be logical thinkers, right? And we should still look yeah. at things. We should still vote. We should still try to make things as good as we can do, even if we don't trust the government or like the government or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's why they put tons of protections in place in every death penalty case, just in Florida, twice the jurors, unanimous vote, yeah. jury gets to decide life or death. Even in some of the most heinous of murder, multiple murder cases, they still sometimes get life unless the jury thinks it's above and beyond. Then once the jury decides death penalty, the judge can say, nope, we're going to go back to life. But they can't do the other way around. Jury can't say life and the judge say, no, actually, we're going to go death. Yeah. Judge can't do that. Those are protections in place. Mm. Mandatory free public defender that's death certified, extra certifications, and then mandatory appeals that you have to go through before you can be executed. Just Florida. So putting all of those things in place Wow. As a Christian, I think helps us in resting in yeah. that sovereignty, yeah. you know, and I think we should look for things like that, not just one man sitting on a throne or a judge sitting in a chair saying, yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, like yeah. that's yeah. it's, it's better than it used to be, even if it's not perfect. Look, I'm the I'm like, 
you guys know, like I'm a huge believer in sovereignty of God. I'm just saying, if you apply, if you apply, <laughs> if you'd because we've seen it happen where people who would never call themselves hyper-Calvinist, but they head down that road where it begins with something like, hmm. well, we're just trusting God, like, because he's sovereign. And if he wanted them to be saved, they'll be saved before the death penalty or, yeah. you know, yeah. self-defense or whatever. And then all of a sudden, a few years later, they're all the way down of, I don't ever tell anybody about Jesus, just he wants them to be saved. So that's why I bring that up that like, it, it can lead toward kind of a fatalistic mindset but at the same time, I think there is huge comfort in um, the sovereignty of God and even how he's orchestrated, like you're saying, like the laws of the land to be put in place, hopefully in a semi-just society that would prevent as much as possible unlawful death. Which is, I think, what most people think, perhaps that are against the death penalty, equated as being something like the Salem witch trials. Like, well, if they drowned, they clearly weren't a witch. So it's like just, you know, heads, I win, tails, you lose type situation. And clearly that's not what we're talking about here. It's not what the death penalty is. And that's just like a caricature of it, right? No, I I agree. And um, actually, I wanted to bring up something that we've been talking about in different ways of as people get that sentencing, like you said, of all the parameters you have to go through. And then the average person, and Pete, you can probably tell me better on this, is spending at average about 10 years before they're even executed. So there's a large amount of time. There are um, some people that are on death row there that die on death row yeah. before so, they actually get executed. So yeah. spending that amount of time. And so I was actually looking up, um, there's a gentleman by the name of Stuart Banner who wrote this book in about the early 2000s called The Death Penalty in American History. And so basically one of the things he was talking about was in the 17th and 18th centuries, when they would have these, you know, sentencing towards death penalty and things along that lines, he says it was actually a very explicitly religious moment and stuff that was going on where there was sermons, there was confessions, there was opportunities for people to repent. They get extra time with yeah. religious leaders or 100% whatever they want. Be- yeah. Because it was, it was this recognition that they were at this moment of, I have to really consider my eternity. I have to consider my life and death. And by God's grace, that led towards repentance for some. Obviously, there were those who had no remorse, didn't care, and still even to this day. But I think in those moments, going to what your point, Aaron, where we do believe in the sovereignty of God, but there also are Christians who are actively involved in these kind of ministries to people who are on death row of preaching the gospel, of ministering to them, and doing things in that line because there's this heavy reality of, I'm going to die. And I think, like Aaron talks about all the time in sermons, like we think we're we're good. Like we, we think generally we look like I'm not, I didn't murder anybody. Somebody sitting on death row. It's when you go talk to them, Aaron, I'm not I'm, like that. I'm guy. not thinking, I'm not thinking they're going to say, I'm pretty good. I deserve heaven. Like well, you can usually have conversations with them. And that's what I've read in books like that too, is like, they're some of the easiest people to witness to because they realize they're totally depraved yeah. and they realize that there's a date that they're dying. So genuine conversion can be pressed upon them by outside sources and God, obviously. But sometimes I think it does, it can breed repentance. Not not necessarily that that Hey, the thief on the cross, prime example. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Exactly. Love that. And I think that one one of the last things we can hold on to with the death penalty and like Aaron said, with guns and self-defense and justified shooting is when I look at it and when you read what the actual law is on some of this stuff, it seems almost biblical. You know, like what you have to do to even be eligible for the death penalty. Self-defense, like you have to feel like this person is going to kill you or cause serious bodily injury before you can respond with deathly force. So it's like feels like an eye for an eye or things that and a lot of our law came from the Bible. You know, it's been 
edited over time and it seems to get farther and farther away. But a lot of it does come from that. And I think that that Christians can look at the Bible. It's such a, there's so much law in the Bible, yeah. you know, that you can, you can kind of see the spirit of the rule as you read through the Bible. Yeah. Whether you believe those laws are still in place or which ones are different or changed mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, I think that the Bible gives us a lot of where we should stand on the spirit of our laws. And final thoughts, what do you think the spirit of the death penalty biblically speaking, that Christians can hold on to as far as supporting it or not? So I guess back to the like the original question of should Christians support it? I don't think necessarily you have to, as a believer, support the death penalty, but I do think there are biblical grounds that we can support it. And so I think as people are working through this issue and wrestling through this issue, I think we should be able to show grace towards one another, understanding why some people do have legitimate, hey, this just bothers me, the thought of putting someone to death. And so I, I don't think this is an issue that should divide us. I think we should have good conversation, being able to work through this as it's not um, a hill to die on. It is say? not a hill to die. That's for another podcast. <laughs> yes, it um, is. <laughs> but I, I do think there's legitimate ways that we can work through this, talk through this. But I think a lot of this is not biblically based. Like a lot of the arguments, I think a lot of it's more political. To be quite honest, of yeah. so when the conversations yeah. come up, it's. More of my sure. political leaning that influences my thought. And I think more of a shit. People would like literally stop listening to us this morning who would oh, say the they're, first they're two ar- minutes. ardently biblical because we might not be so strong on the death penalty or because we might believe in it at all. And yeah. it would not be for any, they might say it is, but it yeah. wouldn't be for any biblical reason most of the time. It's going to be because it doesn't align with their Republican or Democrat mm-hmm. right. uh, viewpoints on the world. And I think that's what's really difficult for me. Like, so the Christian, should they, should they, support the death penalty, a Christian should always support justice, like Amen. true justice. Amen. Like that, that is what we support. Let it roll. And, and could, could you, could you be a believer and, and say, Hey, it would be just as just to sentence someone to life in prison as to the death penalty. I, I think clearly you could be, I think, you, you, I don't think you have to be in favor of the death penalty to be a, to be in favor of justice, like true right. justice. If we look at the old Testament where God strikes people dead. All of us would be in favor of that because that was a just. Anything and God does right. is just. Right. Anything that's God the, does that's is just. That's the problem with us here is not that somebody dies, but yeah. we all have this, you know, man is flawed and has yeah. so much to do with the death penalty and who gets there. That's our, that's our concern. It's not that somebody's dying for what they did because that's justice, like you said. And when we see, we see God working, then we know that that's just. How many of us would sign off on executing someone because they lied about how much they gave to the church? And yet, like, and, let, and yet, God in Acts five strikes down Ananias and fire, and it's just. Right. And we can't fathom like the, the the full justice of God and the mind of God. And clearly, He doesn't do that to most people who lie about, or else we'd have people uh, slay it all over the place. Um, but He doesn't do that to most people. But everything God does is just. And what we are trying to do is submit to His rule of justice. And what any good government or semi-good government is trying to do is whether they realize or not, trying to conform to the justice of God and seeing, like I said, whether they admit it or not, seeing true good progress and true evil eradicated in the world. So do I have to be in favor of death penalty? Um, I think it's pretty clear from this, like I, once again, in principle am, um, I think a believer can be in principle. I, don't, I agree with powers. I don't think we should celebrate when, when Bundy no. was, was executed, when Dahmer was executed uh, and, and others, you know, I, I I don't follow a ton, but 
there was celebrations outside. And it yeah, wasn't no, just celebrations no. that justice had been served. It was celebration at the eradication of life. And both those men actually claimed faith in Christ at their execution, whether or not that was legit is, you know, not up to us to decide. But I think there shouldn't be a celebration of that. But I also like even even you look at somebody like a Hitler when he was when he was killed, we are we we do celebrate the the idea that this genocide is not going to continue. This this evil is not going to continue. But we don't celebrate the the eradication of the life of even someone like Hitler as far as, you know, that this is still an image bearer of God who is in need of repentance. So, yeah, um, I think that's that's the perfect summation. The justice discussion is the perfect idea around the death penalty, I think. Adam, you get to follow that to finish us up. How gracious of God to so order our life and all of life in, in his word to see to everything that could ever concern us, uh, justice, injustice, uh, wrongs done, evil committed against us. He has seen to it all. And when we rest in him, our, our hearts and souls really should find rest in our heavenly father who sees to all things. And so ultimately... Uh, justice will be done, whether or not we're. <laughs> Ultimately, when wrong things happen in this world, we we look to the true carrying out of justice in the end. He squeezed that out as loud as he could. Too. You know he did. He's probably something. Left That's in death his penalty family. for that man. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. All right, Buggy, wrong done over there. The one last thing I was going to say is. In, and I think we're all kind of in agreement with this of where we agree with it principally, but understand that as things have to keep being developed and reformed culturally so that as being in an unrighteous society and just people dealing with something like that of like the death penalty. And so I think for people, as you're coming to that of recognizing that there are always going to be fallen people that are doing things. And so it doesn't mean we should throw it out just because there's fallen people who are enacting it. So similar arguments used in people don't go back to church because there was a pastor that was bad to them or, you know, all these different things that people will say. And so I think for us of where we can have a place where we understand that this is something that at least the scriptures speak to, but we should always be reforming it and not just throw it out completely because of bad experience or bad leadership. I mean, there's a lot more nuance to this conversation and we welcome any any conversations around this. The equity involved in the death penalty, the, you know, having money versus not having money, like all those things can be factored in. But really, it comes back to, like Pete said, like just a justice issue, not not to say we dismiss other conversations around this uh, cultural conversations or or just punishment. But at the end of the day, if the question is really death penalty or no death penalty, that's what we're honing in on. And that's what we tried to hone in on this episode. Thanks for tuning in today. I apologize again for Jeffrey Singer. We'll see you guys next time on Out of Oz. Thanks for listening to Out of Oz. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Oz is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.